This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You're listening to The Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys Podcast, and I have a very special guest on today. How you doing? Great. It's good to be here, man. So let's, let's dive into this book, I Am In. What was the impetus for this? Because you guys at The Voice of the Martyrs have done a lot of work over the years. And I was telling you before we started recording that uh, I had the devotionals mm-hmm. back in the day, the Jesus Freaks devotional. And really, all of these stories, right, that um, are so impactful and really stir people. Uh, but the tragedy is that there are more and more of these stories these days of, of people being martyred, people struggling. Uh, tell me about I Am In and how that fits into the work you guys are doing. Well, you know, the Voice of the Martyrs, since 1967, we've been serving uh, all around the world, helping those who are persecuted for their faith. And uh, IMN is just a collection of 48 of those stories, uh, specifically about Christians who are facing Islamic extremists. Uh, As you know, Islamic extremism, it's in the news now. We used to have this uphill battle to kind of uh, convince people about persecution. Not a problem anymore. Now they watch the news, they know there's persecution. Now we have to figure out, uh, well, what's the Christian response? And that's what this book is all about. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating what you say because I think back then it's like you would talk about it and it was so foreign to people, living in America especially, because Christians in America, sometimes the idea of Christian persecution in America, not to diminish what goes on, but it's nothing like persecution of Christians other places, right? And so you start to compare and contrast those things. And I think, you know, being denied something or having an argument with somebody or having the Freedom From Religion Foundation come after you, which are all legitimate issues, right. that is the idea of persecution. But now I think people have been hit the last two years with the reality that persecution, real persecution, deep persecution is much different than that. And you guys have been doing this for years. So this book, IMN, you've collected 48 stories. Um, How did you find those stories? Uh, Tell me a little bit about that process. Well, we're working in 68 countries around the world. So what we do is we have field workers in the field that, that gather these stories because we're providing practical and spiritual support to our brothers and sisters. We like to think of this as the body of Christ. I mean, it is the body of Christ suffering. And so, for example, uh, I love what Ray Vanderlaan says. He says, if you hit your, your finger uh, with a hammer while you're putting a picture on the wall, you would never say, oh, I'm not suffering. Just my finger is suffering. You know, it doesn't work that way. It's the body. It's the whole body. And so when they're suffering, we want to be able to stand alongside them. And so what the theme of the book really is that we're not going to let them suffer in silence, nor will we let them serve alone. We're going to stand with them and help them to stand strong for Christ. And as we looked through these stories, these themes began to kind of emerge. Six themes, uh, themes like sacrifice, courage, perseverance, faithfulness. And then there were two that were really surprising. And those two were joy and forgiveness. We literally saw joy and forgiveness emerge from these stories of Christians facing Islamic extremists. And, I mean, the forgiveness factor, it's really easy to talk about forgiveness, and, and I guess it's even a struggle for people on minor issues. You know, you have a fight with somebody. But you're talking about forgiving people who have driven people out of their homes, killed their family, they've watched these atrocities happen. That level of forgiveness, it reminds me of the Charleston shooting in America where you have a day after, two days after, in the courtroom, the family saying, we forgive you. I mean, that is unimaginable in many people's eyes, right? But this is even more, I mean, enunciated and extreme what's going on um, over in the Middle East. Was there one particular story out of the 48 that struck you more than the others? And if so, why? Yeah, I mean, there's so many stories because uh, I had a chance to, uh, to travel to over 40 countries to meet with Christians and, and to hear some of these stories face to face. One of them that's in the book is in the chapter called Point Blank Forgiveness. And it's a story of a man in northern Nigeria 
Uh, his name is Habila, and uh, Habila and his wife Vivian and their son, they were in their home 11 p.m. All of a sudden they hear pounding on the door. It's Boko Haram. Boko Haram has come to their village. They start to bring people out. They start to, uh, that night, about 20 Christians were killed in that village. Uh, but as Habila was brought out and asked the question, are you a Christian or a Muslim? He had to be honest. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of, of Jesus. A lot of people wouldn't be honest at that point. And you're right. And some aren't. You know, we don't want to paint this fairy tale picture that every Christian stands boldly for Christ. But in this case, uh, Habila did stand firmly. And, uh, and so they, they said, we're going to have to kill you if you're going to stay a Christian. Do you want to say the Shahada? Do you want to convert to Islam? And uh, then they appealed to his wife, Vivian. They said, please tell your husband to convert. It was almost like they didn't want to kill him. They, they knew it was just wrong. But, but uh, she said nothing. And so uh, Habila refused to uh, recant his faith. So they took an AK-47. They shot him in the face, literally. And, uh, you know, if you meet him today, he survived, by the way. That night, she, wow. she spent hours holding uh, compresses, or compression on his, uh, his face. And uh, as it turned out, he survived. But, but today, he has a massive scar. He, he talks, you know, awkwardly because part of his cheek was, was blown away. Um, but interestingly, um, he says that if I saw the men who did this to me today, I would hug them. And I would tell them I forgive them. And we've seen this all over the world. You know, my friend Todd Nettleton uh, is really close to um, one of our uh, uh, contacts who was in Turkey, who literally went on TV the day after her husband was killed and said to the Turkish national media, I forgive the people who killed my husband. You know, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's supernatural. That's the only explanation for it. Well, how else do you forgive somebody for without God? How do you forgive? Very few people could do that. And even with God, a lot of people, because they, they can't see past their own pain, mm -hmm. um, are not being forgiving in a That's moment right. like that. Um, what, all of the things that you guys have done over the year, all the work that you, years, all the work that you've done, is it at all discouraging that the Islamic state has, I mean, because really what's happened now is the Islamic State has come in and really made these problems far worse um, than we've ever really seen them. So is that at all discouraging for you guys? Well, it would be if we didn't have an eternal perspective. And what I mean by that is as a Christian ministry, we're looking at this and we're seeing what God is doing. God is at work in amazing ways. I mean, uh, Muslims in this area are coming to Christ because they're, they're looking at ISIS and they're saying, if that's what being a Muslim means, I don't want to do that. You know, we all have this inner compass. We all have uh, general revelation, and we know it's wrong, and they do too. And so many of them are choosing to, to leave Islam and to come to Christ. Uh, in fact, uh, I was just recently in Iraq, and I had a chance to be a part of a baptism of uh, Muslim background believers. And in this baptism, uh, people were literally, uh, one young lady was singing with joy after her baptism, uh, but, but she knew just like every Muslim background believer, they know that at that point of baptism, they're making a public statement that I'm choosing to follow Isa, El Masih, Jesus. And uh, it could be like painting a target on them. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, especially now. I mean, it's just, yeah, and I asked the discouraging question because I think a lot of people would say, oh my gosh, you know, we've been working for years and now we have this problem that comes. And then the one thing that nobody ever thinks about, what would happen if groups like yours were not doing this work? What would happen if people weren't there? You know, it's easy to say, well, this problem is so awful and it's gotten so much worse. And yes, it has. But nobody ever thinks about that factor without these key players out there doing this work, how much worse it would actually be. Yeah, you know, it's an honor to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's really what it is. So we go and we literally meet with these brothers and sisters and we say, how can we help you? And you know what's interesting? The first thing they always ask for? Prayer. 
That's what they want first. And so we, we actually just developed this uh, prayer guide called Christians Facing Islamic Extremists, which we offer free to anybody at persecution.com to just get this prayer guide, which highlights nine Islamic hotspots around the world. And so we'll take a group like Al-Shabaab or AQIM or Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula or uh, Al-Shabaab, and we'll, we'll break out the group, we'll describe what it is, and then we'll say, here's how you can pray for your brothers and sisters who are suffering in these places. What do you think um, Christians in the U.S. maybe have wrong or don't know about the situation that they should know? There's a lot of sort of ignorance, some of it willful. We don't really want to think about it because it's really awful. What would you say, what message, I guess, would you deliver? I would say that it's, uh, like with many situations in the world, it's more complex than it appears at first. And it was interesting, uh, in our recent trip to Iraq, uh, I was talking with Christian brothers and sisters, and, and we were asking, well, tell us exactly how it went down in June of 2014 in Mosul. And, you know, Mosul was the second largest city in Iraq. Uh, ISIS swoops in. They said, well, they started uh, tearing down crosses, putting loudspeakers on tops of churches and cathedrals, and they literally over the loudspeakers were saying, you've got to convert to Islam, uh, or you can uh, pay the jizya tax, or you can leave, or we will kill you. Those were the options. Now, when that happened, um, and, and many people have heard about horrible atrocities and, and just unbelievable acts of cruelty. And those have happened. But it was it's complex because what happened was ISIS sort of changed their tune a few days into it. We just discovered this recently with our field work. Uh, when they started on day one, they said, okay, you've got 10 days. You can leave. Take all your stuff. Get out of here. Uh, interestingly, on day like seven, eight, and nine, they started to change their tactics. We believe that ISIS realized, wait a minute, all of this gold, all of this loot is leaving the city with these Christians. And we're not going to let that happen anymore. So they started to detain people at checkpoints. There's an amazing story in the book. It's the story of Abu Fadi, who was there at that time. And interestingly, as he left, um, he was detained at a checkpoint. It's a really miraculous intervention kind of story. Because at the checkpoint, um, literally one of the guards just had a soft spot for him somehow. And so what he did is he took Abu Fadi and his family aside and he said, uh, I'm going to talk to them for a while. You guys go you know, do your, do your thing. And then as he had him alone, he, when he had him alone, he said, get out of here while you can now so they don't kill you. Uh, it was incredible. You know, so here you have an ISIS fighter who, for some reason, was led by God to let this man and his family escape. It's, it's remarkable. Yeah, I mean, all of these stories and people, I mean, you could talk about the heaven is for real stories. You can talk about all these stories of people having experiences that we can't explain, mm -hmm. you know, at least we think we can't explain. Um, and I've been kind of intrigued and moved in some of the stories you guys have published. There have been radio shows you guys have done that have, that have told these stories of people experiencing Jesus in a dream or people having these experiences that have ISIS fighters that have they've converted because of them. They've changed their ways because of them. I'm fascinated by that. Have you guys heard a lot of that? And I would imagine even yeah. conversion stories before all of this. Yeah, it's amazing. We're hearing supernatural interventions going on all around the world. Um, I've got a story which illustrates this from Vietnam. You know, the Voice of the Martyrs works, as I said, in 68 countries. So there's a lot of persecution happening around the world. Some of the countries are restricted, where the government literally restricts Christianity. Others are just hostile, where the neighbors don't like the Christians. But in one of these restricted contexts in Vietnam, there's a story. I talked to the brother there. He said... Um, I felt like God was calling me to go minister in a certain part of town. He said, so I went over to the part of town. I didn't have permission to be there. There's zones and there's passes. And, you know, you can't just move around freely like we're used to. And as he went to this area, uh, as it began to get dark, the, the day was done, he, he realized they were putting up a checkpoint and he didn't know how he was going to get back. And so he said um, to the Lord, he's like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get through this checkpoint. 
but I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to walk by the spirit and just see what happens. So he's standing at the side of the road. A motorbike pulls up. And you know, in Asia, you've seen this where, you know, you can put a lot of people on a motorbike. And so <laughs> this guy comes in, he says, hey, do you want to ride? And uh, where are you going? And, and he told him where he was going. Well, the man on the motorbike drives directly to the police station. And, and my friend is, is kind of concerned about this, obviously. So the man says, sit here on the bike. I'm going um, to run inside. Just stay here. And he starts to pray. He says, Lord, should I stay? Or should I go? What, what should I do? And so uh, as he's sitting there, he just felt like the Lord was saying, just stay. Just trust me. I'm in charge here. So the man opens up the door in the police station. He's wearing a police uniform with a bunch of rank on it. And so this guy's freaking out. You know, now he comes back. He says, where do you need to go again? He said, maybe this time I won't tell him my exact address. I'll just <laughs> I'll tell him the general vicinity. Anyway, so um, he, he comes and he said they went through several checkpoints with a salute and a wave. They just waved right through the checkpoints. And uh, he felt later, he felt like, you know, God, I feel like I need to follow up on this. I want to go say thank you to this guy. Maybe you brought him into my life for a reason. I don't know. But, but he, he made his way when it was safe uh, to the police station. And he said, hey, uh, a couple weeks ago I was here and a guy gave me a ride. I just wanted to say thanks. And as he began to describe the man, they said, how much rank did you say this guy had? And he described it. And they said, there's never been anyone with that much rank at our police station. And, and this brother told me, he's like, I think it was an angel. I really think it was an angel sent by God to rescue that's me. And, I, and I'm thinking, how come I never get angels? You know right. what I mean? Like, well, <laughs> well, you know, one thing that's interesting about this, though, and, and I think, again, people are going to say, you're crazy. You're, but you wonder, in parts of the world where there's less access, right, mm -hmm. does God work more? Yes. Is, like, in America, no, yeah, you're probably not, you know, there, maybe there isn't a lot of it. But I, there are stories here, yeah. right? But yeah. maybe in places like that, there is more of it. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, because um, I thought about what I would do in that situation. I would, like, pull out my credit card and rent a car. Car. I might bribe the guard at the check. Right. Whatever. You right. know, I would like figure a way out. Like, I would have gotten myself. off that motorcycle. I'll yeah, tell you there that you much. Go. <laughs> I'm not waiting for this guy to come back yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Was he in the police uniform when he first saw? No, no. no so he, he went in. He went in and, in and came out. In the, I don't think he would have gotten on the motorbike at first if he right. was in a police uniform. Right, right. But Good point. You know, there's another, that's another uh, interesting point of that story. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I've got so many stories just rushing through my head of, of these kind of supernatural encounters. And, you know, to God be the glory. I mean, he's doing this stuff. And, and it's so miraculous, these interventions that you're like, only God could have made that happen. Right. And that's what this book is filled with, these kind of stories. Uh, and people, when they read the book, you know, they see these themes. It, that's the, our prayer, is that, that we will be inspired to stand strong. We don't know what's coming. You know, we just don't. Uh, we know that persecution uh, may come to America. I mean, we know that's, that's a reality in, in more yeah. extreme ways. And so how are we going to respond to that? Um, can we stand strong? I hope that we can. Yeah, it's, an, it's interesting times right now um, in, in America, too. And I think, you know, you, on one hand, you don't want to dismiss. Like, I almost said a dismissive earlier of the bakers and the people who are having these battles right. going on. But, you know, look, that's how things start sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's how you have, you know, sort of systems that end up being more and more broken and, right. and pave the way for more problems. Mm -hmm. But um, I love it. Any other... Uh, elements you'd want to share for the book? Yeah, I think that one of the things that we're most excited about is the curriculum that goes with mm -hmm. it. There's a small group curriculum, and we did six sessions on each of the themes. And so and what we did was we went to Iraq. We literally interviewed brothers and sisters who've been affected by ISIS, and we asked questions like, you know, how, how are you responding to this? Uh, I'll never forget the story of uh, Ban Noshaba. She was, she was in the mm -hmm. section on perseverance because she's had to persevere a lot. I mean, when ISIS came, they kidnapped her husband. Her husband was a taxi driver, and he was a Christian. And they kidnapped him, and uh, and so she literally was on the run. She ran from uh, from home to home, staying with relatives and friends, just trying to survive with her kids. 
And she got so desperate. And this is what I love about our persecuted family members. They're not saints. They're not perfect. They don't have it all figured out. You know, she, she got so depressed that she actually tried to commit suicide. She tried to, she slit her wrist and, and she really thought, I, if I can't take care of my children, what's the point of, of living? And, and she just gave up. Um, well, she awakened in the hospital um, to a friend who said, hey, you need to come back to church. She went to church. She says this. She says, I was in church. I was worshiping. I lifted my hands in the air. I felt Jesus touch my hands and just totally minister to her in such a way that she was able to go one more day, one more step to persevere. And that's that's the kind of message that we all could benefit from. Absolutely. I got to get my hands on this curriculum. I'm yeah. excited to see it. Uh, well, we'll make sure we link out to the book and uh, we link out to what you guys are doing and would love to have you back again. Excellent. It'd be an honor.